Welcome to the Destiny Youth Podcast. Destiny Youth is the youth ministry of Destiny Church based in Glasgow. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Destiny Youth Podcast. My name is Matt, and I am here today with Pastor Sue, who has pioneered Destiny Church alongside Pastor Andrew. Uh, and I cannot wait to dive into what we're about to get into. But one interesting thing about Pastor Sue is you have done all of this work serving the Lord with with Pastor Andrew for many years, doing amazing things. And you are actually a student at the Destiny College, still still learning new things and uh, and growing because we can all always grow, right? That's right, Matt. I've taking the decision to go back into college quite out of the blue. I was a nurse after I left school, been pastoring all these years, raised a family, and sensed recently to grow, to learn, Mm. to not be caught by previous experiences or lessons or mindsets, and to allow new information to come on in. So I've joined in with the HNC Christian Mm -hmm. counseling at Destiny College, and the journey is amazing. I'm totally loving it. Yeah, I love that, especially because as pastors or leaders in ministry, we can oftentimes struggle with um, an entitlement in a way of, well, I've achieved, you know, this title or whatever it is, so I don't have anything else to learn, Uh, but always staying humble with, I haven't made it yet. I still, to my dying breath, can still learn new things and continue to grow in Jesus. Um, So today, we're going to continue to grow all together in talking about one of our connect with God ways, which is the contemplative. I really love this one. um, And I think that that you're a contemplative. I think it's one of your top ones uh, in connecting with God. And one thing I want to say before we start off with it is, through all these connect with God ways, no one is just one of them. We all have different aspects of them. Even if there's one that you think isn't you, it's a great opportunity to try it out and to grow in it. And I'll get more into my testimony about the contemplative in a bit. But first, I want to go over what the contemplative is. The contemplative connects to God through adoration, conversation with God, and just longing for his presence. The contemplative seeks to perform the first work of adoring God. God is known and described as a heavenly spouse in whom all the contemplative's delight is met. So some people seek to serve the Lord, others seek to celebrate him, others want to explain him and learn about him, but the contemplative seeks just to gaze lovingly into God's face and to be caught up in his presence. They live to love God, and they want nothing more than the presence of God. And adoration simply means to show a deep love and respect. So, Pastor Sue, I think, like I said, you connect with God as a contemplative, and after watching you, um, it's clear that you value the presence of the Lord, not just for uh, direction or for making the path in your life clear, but you actually just want to simply love and adore him. So when was a time 
that you heavily, maybe it was the first time uh, that you heavily experienced the presence of God and just fell in love with him? I think, Matt, because I became a Christian as a teenager, I found the Lord needing to be so real in almost every aspect of my life. And it was never a distant thing for me. Mm. I may go back to my childhood for a second. My father was away a lot when I was not to two years of age. Growing up, I can genuinely say, I think I got to know him as a young teenager. He was at home, but our lifestyle was so separate. It was strange because... I would be up and out for school in the morning and my dad would still be sleeping because he'd been working till three and four in the morning. Mm. And then by the time I'd come home from school, he was already out at work again. And I would see him at weekends. He often played rugby. So therefore it wasn't really a being together. It was a waving him off to do something else again. And consequently, when I became a Christian as a teenager, I had a very um, strong encounter with the Lord where just as of necessity, it speaks in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord as of necessity. And there were so many circumstances and times in my life where I thought, I just want God's presence. Mm. I want him to be involved. We'll talk about that a bit later, but I wanted to bring God into my day-to-day life and I learned as a young Christian not to treat my heavenly father like I'd learned to have to treat my my earthly father yeah so I would draw him in on purpose intentionally uh, with a reason all the time and just include God in so many aspects of my life and from that there grew such a sense of dependency Mm-hmm. which has never left me, never, ever left me. Yeah. I I look at it as, um, because when I was younger, the whole idea of adoring God and being in his presence, number one, never occurred to me. Um, similar story with me. My, my dad was never there, never met him. And so I think a lot of people's view of God, because we say God is your father, they immediately think of, oh, well, my dad's terrible or my dad has his faults, whatever it is. And then they apply those same faults in their father to God. And until you can see him as the perfect father, you're going to see him through that lens. And so for me, um, like getting in his presence was never an option. It was just like, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to obey the rules. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do everything that he says in the Bible to do, and I'm going to be the best that I can. Um, So it's kind of like that Mary Martha situation where Martha's in the kitchen. She's serving Jesus. She's trying to get everything ready for him. And then Mary is just sitting at his feet. And there's nothing wrong with what Martha was doing. She was serving Jesus in the way that she wanted to serve Jesus. And I think we have that in the church of there's people who love to serve. And then there's people who just want to sit in the presence of God. And when the person who serves comes in and tries to correct the person who's sitting in the presence, like how Martha did, it's like, hey, why are you you connecting with God in this way? You need to come and serve. 
and it can be vice versa. Somebody that sits in the presence is like, oh, come and sit in the presence. Don't serve, you know, but we all kind of have this, you know, correction on each other of, no, you should connect with God in the way that I do when there's so much more to that because we all have different personalities and different things that God has put on the inside of us with a purpose to connect with him. And one thing that I love is in Psalm 27, 4, David writes this. He says, one thing I have asked of the Lord and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty, the delightful loveliness and majestic grandeur of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Tell us about one of those encounters as a, as a teenager that was just so heavy and so life-changing for you? There were a couple, actually. One was when, as a new Christian, we were encouraged, as you are, to be baptized in water. And I mentioned this to my parents, and they were very offended, frightened, a bit shocked, thought it was a joke, wondered what is she going on about, I'd been christened as a baby, never, ever been brought up to go to church. So this change in me was too dramatic for them. Mm -hmm. This request to do something spiritual was a different language. And consequently, they just said, no, you need to wait till you're 18. That would be the tradition generally in the UK. I don't know if it's the same in other countries where out of respect... There's an age where you now can make your own choices, but until then, you follow your parents' lead. Yeah. Yet the longing in my heart was so strong to be obedient, to serve and to, to pursue God with all my heart, to, to, to kind of prove that I love him and that I want to do this right and um, be in the right uh, place and space with the, I don't know, not ticking the boxes, but just, an expression of my heart's desire to follow him. I wanted to do this thing. Parents said no, so I had to wait. And I prayed. God gave me a verse from 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, and paraphrasing it just says, stand and see the victory of the Lord. You won't need to fight this one. Just let me do it for you. Mm. And I read that in the night. And I thought, oh, my goodness, God is saying he's already gone ahead and he's going to change this thing. I'll not need to wait however many years it is until I'm 18. And I went and spoke to them in the morning, just asked again. And overnight they changed their minds mm. and they let me get baptized. And in it, I learned a lesson right there, just hanging on to the Lord's coat sleeve almost with his instruction, was more than enough. I didn't need flashing lights. I didn't need great courage. I didn't need tremendous wisdom to try and persuade my parents. I just needed to know that the Lord had spoken. That caused me great comfort uh, and caused me to be very um, aware from a young age that the Lord was aware of me and that he had an answer for any question I might have, any challenge. Um, the other time when the Lord spoke to me, 
was regarding my question. And I actually wonder now, even thinking back, why would I even ask that question? But the question I asked the Lord was, why do you even love me? Mm-hmm. And he gave me two scriptures. One was in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Just keep the word up close and know that I'm with you forever is, again, my paraphrase. Beautiful, beautiful encouragement. But the other scripture he gave me was from 1 Corinthians, and it's verse one, uh, chapter 1, sorry, 26. And I'll read it to you from the NET. It's beautiful, 1 Corinthians one twenty-six, And it says this, Think about the circumstances of your call, brothers and sisters. Not many were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were born to a privileged position. But God chose what the world thinks foolish to shame the wise. And God chose what the world thinks weak to shame the strong. Hmm. God chose what is low and despised in the world, what is regarded as nothing, to set aside what is regarded as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. He is the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And in the footnotes, we read that scripture again also in Jeremiah 9, um, which influenced Paul's writings. And in verses 26 to 31, Jeremiah is calling upon the wise, the strong and the wealthy, not to trust in their resources, but in their knowledge of the true God, and so to boast in the Lord. Paul addresses the same three areas of human pride. And I would speak about my experience right there. I think in it, knowing that the Lord had said, I've chosen you. So I'm asking, why are you loving me? I've chosen you. And right from day one, I realized he's not chosen me because of my position, my experiences, my ability maybe to learn or not learn. He's chosen me because he knows I want to know him. Mm. And it's not knowing about him or someone else's description of him. It's this company keeping, companionship knowing. And I've just had that absolute foundation in my life all along. So the adoration comes. Recently I realized when we were asked, give me one word that describes how you feel today. And I found myself saying the word, I'm received. And I just am so grateful to God that I can confidently say it's nothing to do with my behavior, nothing to do with my abilities, my skills, my education, nothing. It's he receives me. Mm. And that's where this adoration comes from. And I'm so grateful to God for that. It's just that biblical principle of we have done nothing to deserve his love. He just freely gives it, which is why he's such a good God. Because when you look at um, a lot of these other main religions that people are following, there's always, oh, well, if you if you do A, B, and C, then this God will love you. Or 
if you adhere to these things, you can become enlightened and then you can go back into the energy of the universe. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want that. I want mm -hmm. a relationship with a God who loves me because mm -hmm. I want to be with him. I don't want to blast into energy particles no. and then come back as a cow or whatever it is. I want to be with the God who loves me. Yeah. Me and my walk with, with Jesus, once I felt his presence for the first time, I didn't know what to do because it was just like, what do I do? I can't do anything. Uh, and I'm a very, uh, I'm not a very emotional person. And so whenever I felt his presence on me, I just started crying because I was like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I feel loved, but I feel a, it's not any human kind of love. Mm. I just feel loved like I've never felt before. And the more that I got into his presence, the more he revealed his emotion to me, like his godly emotion. And some of the greatest moments where I've been in his presence are moments where I've cried mm -hmm. because I don't know what to do with his emotion. It's too great for me to handle. And he's only showing me a small bit of it. And so for me to come back to that and say, I adore you. I adore this. This is all I want. And I want more of it. One of the things that I started doing that I didn't even know was a technique of the contemplative was this type of prayer called breath prayer, where it's a form of, of prayer that links to the rhythm of your breathing. And you repeat either a simple word or a sentence to begin your prayer. And oftentimes people start with a biblical name of God that's meaningful to you. And then it follows with a word or a phrase that expresses your deep desire for God. I'll just share what I did. I would just say, Yahweh, Elohim, God, you are holy. Jesus, you are holy. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, you are holy. Bring me into the holy of holies with you. And each time that I said that, I was also, someone helped teach me that of like, when you want to get into the presence, ask to be brought into the holy of holies because that's available to you. One, one other thing that's just been a game changer was studying because the Hebrew language is so deep. Whenever you look at a name of God and you study everything behind it, it just gives you new levels of understanding, even just understanding Abba and what that means as he is your Abba father. But I started looking into with the breath prayer, what the Ruach is and Ruach is, it means wind, spirit of God, breath of God. And then when you dig deeper, the word for the Holy Spirit is Ruach HaKodesh. So it literally means the holy breath of God. It means four other things, but that's one of the meanings. And so in entering into this breath prayer, where you're just breathing and praying under your breath, not, not out of timidity. I don't know. It's like when I whisper to my children, 
I whisper to them in, in a loving way. I've never whispered to my children angrily. It's most of the time when I tell them goodnight. Mm. It's like, hey, I love you. I'll see you in the morning. And there's mm. something about that tone that for me just invites his presence in such an incredible way, in such a loving way, mostly just for myself. Are there certain things that you say or do when you're entering into the presence of God? What, what has been your, your practice when you go into his presence to be intimate with him? I would say gratitude is one of the very immediate, important first things. Just thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, God. You just reminded me there, Matt, of an experience I had years ago talking about the breathless aspect of worship. And I know for many years I've read scriptures about the Lord carries us day by day, Psalm 68. Mm -hmm. He carries us. And in Psalm 22, verse 9, it says, Lord, you delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You're the one who cared for me ever since I was a baby. Since the day I was born, I've been placed in your custody. You've cradled me throughout my days. But the experience I remember, I'd taken our youngest, Simeon, 18 months old, into a conference evening meeting. And we were in a big agricultural shed down in Wales, standing at the back with the pushchair. The lights are dim. Everybody's praising God with such a noise. It was quite something. But I needed to be at the, at the back of the room in case baby woke or I needed to leave. And as the song came to a close, I felt this presence, this, this brush against my shoulder. And I just stood still. I remember knowing for sure the Lord is here. The mm. Lord is just just here. I felt this presence brush past me and almost walk down the aisle there. And as the song came to a close, the worship leader, fabulous worship leader, announced, the king is here. Mm. Let's applaud the king. But the strangest thing happened to me personally because everybody was waving and rattling and shouting and hollering, stomping and applauding. I stood in silence. I just sensed in my spirit it wasn't um, fear. Mm. It wasn't disconnect. It was absolute awe, complete yeah. overwhelmed by awe I was. And, and I remember saying to the Lord, what can I give? What can I bring? And the strange thing, though, when I thought about that days later and over the weeks after, I, I kind of reflected and wondered, did the hollering make everything move on really quickly? Because mm. as soon as all that noise passed, the meeting just went on. Yeah. And it left me with such an ache because I said, on that occasion, Lord, when you visit, would you please stay? Can we make an atmosphere 
Not that we can create it, but can we steward? Can we care for? Can we protect a place where, Lord, when you turn up, nothing will cause you to leave the room in a hurry or quickly or after only moments? Father, that sense of your presence is so overwhelmingly beautiful. I want to make it last forever. Yeah. And from it, I wrote a song called Breathless, which speaks about the Prince of Peace and asking him to stay, Jesus, 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 I long to know you more. And it was one of the most gentle songs I've ever written and sung, but it still carries that longing that, Lord, these moments are not to be fleeting. And I'm praying with all my heart, Matt, that as we usher in this move that the Lord is bringing to us, that we are so well set, our posture is correct, our heart attitude is right, we've got gratitude sorted. We start there, we always start there, but then we can say, Lord, stay. I ask you to stay. And that we we furnish that moment and, and steward and host that moment with such a sense of absolute joy but reverential fear and let the Lord do what he wants to do. So I would definitely, in answer to question, say gratitude, but then stand back with 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 a a wonder and an awe as to what he actually wants to do. Because we yeah. can so quickly rush ahead or hurry past. Maybe he wants to speak to us. Maybe he wants to bring a verse to our um, mind so that we can hear some wisdom or direction. Need to be good hearers. I love the fear of the Lord. I hate how people have misinterpreted it Mm. because it's not being afraid of God. It's being terrified to be out of his presence. It's that desperation to have him stay because you cannot and you will not live without him. Another thing that I wanted to ask you about is we see this side of Jesus where he's always going off to to be alone with his father. Um, Like in Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals this leper and then news spreads around that Jesus is there healing and teaching. And so a bunch of people start showing up and then it says at the end of the verse that Jesus would often withdraw to be alone with his father and pray. We have to be filled with his presence. We are there to extend a hand to help pull people into the presence of God. That's our job as pastors and leaders is to, hey, come and discover this. This is the most beautiful thing that you could possibly imagine and you must come with me. Do you feel the need to sometimes just go be alone with God? I was raised in a culture that advocated quiet time. Mm. That was the pattern, that was the teaching, that was the expectation. And with being a nurse, working shifts, traveling early, coming home late, becoming married and then having children and realizing that actually it wasn't working for me. I had been a bit of a a routine 
board where there was almost like this expectation, do this every day. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, I fell foul very quickly to condemnation if I couldn't or hadn't had my time with the Lord. And over a season or seasons, I just shifted, changed, asked him to help me and really learned. I couldn't say how the change happened or when it happened specifically, but for decades now, absolutely decades, I've not had an appointment-based relationship with the Lord Mm -hmm. because that's the way it seemed to sound to me. And I've cultivated and grown and found maybe some days I'll pray in tongues almost all day. Yeah. It's not that I'm not with people. It's not that I don't have responsibilities. It's not that I have don't don't have places to be and things to do. But again, as of necessity, the questions, the dilemmas, the challenges, the, the crises we faced over different seasons. I needed to know what it was to call and hear really quickly. And so that alone time with God is almost every time I'm in the car. Yeah. When I know I'm not putting that radio on. I don't need to know the news just yet. It could be, I think maybe more recently, I practiced and challenged myself to pray in tongues for the whole journey into the city building. Mm. And at first I found that difficult because I just wasn't used to this. Mm -hmm. It felt strange. My mind would wander. Um, I would get distracted by the to-do list that was nagging in the the background of my brain. And yet I've just grown over and over this desire, this longing, and now the benefits of taking the Lord with me wherever I go. Um, I do sense an urgency and I do sense it's not to do with my mood or my my day. It's the season we're in. The world is in a strange season. Yeah. I read a scripture this week and it really shocked me, Matt. In, in Psalm 50, verse 22, it says, Repent, all of you who forget me, or I will tear you apart mm. and no one will help you. And that makes me ache. Yeah. That makes me frightened. That makes me shudder at the thought of people who have no idea that the Lord could be like this. Yeah. We know him as a loving God. We know him as a forgiving, gracious God. And yet when people belligerently reject and push off and resist his approach, I fear for them. Yeah. And so consequently, I'm finding I'm doing the opposite. I'm drawing him in to things. I'm asking him. I'm requesting help. I'm calling on him constantly. Um, There's just that sense of urgency in my spirit. And so I've really very much for years now been a million miles from this quiet time concept. Mm. For some, it works. But for for me, sorry, I find there are so many challenges in a day. I need to be walking ever so carefully, clearly listening, concentrating on what would what would he be saying to me now? Numerous times in the day when something feels uncomfortable or a question comes or I'm not sure what to do, 
I'll just say, speak to me, God. And he just mm. gives me a reference. And the number of times, I'm so grateful I could say this, he will give me specific answers, direction, uh, instruction, or even better understanding of what is happening right now in any one part of the day. And I'm, I'm asking him right now, actually, Matt, to teach me how to be a lot more timely mm. so that I don't um, assume this instructions for this second, yeah. nor do I put it off thinking, well, it might be for another day. I, I want to be so aware of of the accuracy of hearing his voice and that that adoration grows out from an absolute knowledge that he is willing to speak yeah. and he is on hand and he's never caught out or misplaced or he's never, should I say, uh, missing when we call on him. He's not missing in action. Yeah. He's very very close and willing to involve. Yeah. I want to go back to the, uh, the, uh, I'll tear you apart bit. <laughs> it's a strong, yeah. strong. It's sentence. very strong. Oh, my goodness. And you know me, I, I love the, the strong side of things where it's just like black and white, like come and come and love me, choose it or choose death. Uh, but, the scariest Bible verse in the entirety of scripture is when people are standing before Jesus saying, I healed the sick. I prophesied in your name. I did all of these things. And then he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Anyone who truly loves Jesus, when you read that scripture, it should absolutely gut you. The thought of getting to heaven standing in front of Jesus, having lived an entire life of, of doing good religious practices, whatever it is. And then him saying, yeah, I don't know who you are. I, I can't even come up with words. It is the most disturbing thing ever. The Bible's full of things that should shake you, but that is beyond shaking. That is just, that's how important the actual relationship with Jesus is. It's not just, yeah, I believe in him. People believe in Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is a real guy, but have you met Tom Cruise? Have you talked with Tom Cruise? Well, then you don't know him in the way that somebody who's friends with him. Tom Cruise is a silly example, but you get it. It's like you can know of somebody. You can believe they exist, but if you don't know them personally there's a big big difference there but he also says in matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me then he goes through all who are weary heavy laden with religious practices that don't bring you peace come to me and i will give you peace and that's what is so like that's that is the message of hope is that you can come to jesus no matter what you look like, what you've done. And one of the things that I'm constantly telling the youth is if you've messed up, it can literally be five minutes ago that you've messed up. You can go to God. You can go before him. And what the enemy does is he likes to plant this idea in your head of you're too dirty. 
You just sinned. God doesn't want to hear from you. Jesus is angry with you. When that's the complete opposite. He wants you to come to him and to have that relationship with him. I love my son. I love my daughter. If they did something wrong that put them in danger, and then they came to me and they said, Daddy, I did this, and this almost happened to me. I care that they are here with me. I care that they're safe. And this goes back to our view of our own earthly fathers. And this is where I've failed multiple times. Like It's my prayer all the time. God, show me how to father my children. Because there are moments where it's like, man, I've told you six times to stop doing this. But it's like the incredible patience of our God to allow us to continue to come back to him and to want us to come back to him is indescribable. And I, I pray for that every day of like, God, I, I want your heart as a father, not only for my own children, but I want your heart for the people of earth as your uh, you being a father of them. I want that heart because I can't do this. I just, I, as a human, I don't have the capacity in a world where everything is about me, 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 all of my problems, all of my issues. What's your advice on really just digging in and receiving the heart of the father? What would be your encouragement to a young person trying to step in to discovering that love? I would encourage Matt in every way. To get God's heart, you need to be with him. Mm -hmm. As in not living for him, but living alongside. Recently, I had a very unusual experience, and I'll forward the, the photograph to you. I was looking at our log burner, and you just mentioned about sin in a way that can so quickly separate spoil and and just come in between our relationship with the father and the love that we have for him but then that sense of disappointment that breaks things up constantly or that guilt that we carry you're speaking about that um just shattering and fragmenting relationship but i had very unusual experience the log fire was burning there was charcoal on the glass and I was just shocked because I looked into the flames in the fire and clearly imprinted on the door of the fire the glass door was a lamb's face mm. it's as clear as you could ever imagine and it reminded me of Andrew's teaching years ago about the grace of God and the covenant that the Lord's made with us and he spoke of the Passover where the lamb was roasted and in his book Astronomical Grace he speaks on this topic as well about the Lord took a roasting for us mm. and we often think that we've put ourselves in the heat we've made a mess and so we need to stew for a while you know we need to be in it and yeah. feel that guilt but he took that roasting for us 
And I know that picture, I saw that very clear image I saw in my fire the other week just absolutely reminded me that whatever, whenever, if ever, however, we make a mess, he took a roasting for us so that we don't need to sit and stew over, over things or feel like we're in the hot spot or we've overdone it now or we've messed up forever. And as I was thinking about helping young people especially and those that maybe are wanting to get a deeper relationship with God but don't know how, they feel maybe they don't know how to speak to him or they don't know the approach to, to take or the mindset, the manner to have. God just alerted me to this tiny word which actually is strung alongside so many others and becomes many other words. And it's the word in. Bring God in. Bring the Lord in. And I've written a few things, if I can just share them with us as we... Yes, please. Look at this. It starts with an invite. We invite the Lord in the morning, mm. in the evening, in the situation, in the quiet moment, in the crowd, we invite him in. We involve him. We ask his advice. We draw him into the questions, the unknowns. We involve him. He's not a spectator. He's a player on the pitch. We involve him. We introduce our life and our heart and our thoughts to him so that we're open we're expressing, we're constantly sharing things. I'm feeling like this today, God. Yeah. This has happened. Um, I need to pray about such and such. Did you see what happened just there? We're introducing him to our life because he can see it anyway. And then we're letting him influence. It's another inward, every area. He doesn't want to just watch and then walk away. He wants to be involved and to influence the things that are happening to us. We want to allow him to interact with us so that it becomes a conversation, not just a description. Yeah. That we learn to listen. I just shared about that a few minutes ago, that we, we're mindful that he does have a verse maybe he wants to give us. If we do these things with our Bible by our lap, ready to look into that verse or that scripture, we'd be surprised what God would involve with. There's another word, interfere. Mm. I am finding over and over that I'm inviting the Lord to, please would you just come and interfere with this. Yeah. In the middle of it, get into it. Let him intrude. Why, why would I use that word? Well, I think in some areas of our lives, the deepest emotion, the the scariest moment, um, the most wild uh, mindset we can have or attitude, we think, oh, God wouldn't want to. Actually, we need him to intrude. Yeah. And he wants to. He, there's nothing that would scare him off or shock him or put him off loving us. You know, I think some of the most biggest issues, most important issues that people are facing these days are deeply personal. 
And the mindset is, therefore, I have to fix that myself. Yeah. I have to have an answer. I ought not to behave like that. I better not be thinking like that. And I certainly shouldn't be talking like this. And yet that's the very place the Lord has got wisdom, mm-hmm. understanding, um, responses and kindness and calmness to bring into the situation. I sense in today's world we, we've we been lulled, haven't we, by traditional churches to think God needs it to be quiet, sedate yeah. and steady. I don't think so. When I said earlier about praying in the first instance with thanks, you're coming into his presence, use thanks. I had a big, strong experience years ago regarding that where I, I was letting rip with the Lord mm-hmm. over a frustrating a frustrating difficult situation where I felt like he was a million miles away and I knew what the word said and an answer should be coming, but I couldn't see it. And I remember letting rip one night, holding my baby in my arms because he wasn't getting any better. Mm. And I learned a big lesson because it wasn't so much the situation was difficult that was upsetting me after that. It was reflecting back on my behavior, my words, and my response, and my attitude, I was totally shell-shocked. Fearing and thinking, how could you possibly talk to the Lord like that? Yeah. Who do you think you are? What was that? Isn't that terrible? And it really upset me because I thought, I've blown my cover. This good Christian girl has really just let rip at God. Who, Who is this? And I was so shocked. It upset me deeply. But the more I waited on the Lord and said, Father, what do you think? He said, I needed you to talk to me like that. Mm. It's about time. And I I would physically almost at that point take a step back thinking, are you real, God? Is that true? Is that what you want? And he said, if you come in with thanks, you can say anything to me as long as you walk out with thanks again. I do think we've got this weird notion that we have to behave before the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think that's absolute rubbish. He does not want us to behave before him. He wants us to be bare and open before yeah. him. And if we can but learn how to do that and be that, involve him, call him to account. I said about my dad, my dad was a marvellous man. He was a hardworking man. He was a loving man. He was just busy. And the Lord changed my attitude towards the father figure and said, basically, Sue, I'm your heavenly father. Don't let me off the hook. Mm. Involve me in everything. Expect me to move and I will. And that changed my whole approach. So these words with the the two little letters I-N are very real to me. Involve him in that personal dilemma. Involvement, involve me, says the Lord, in that intimate moment when you don't know what to do next. Yeah. When you're feeling lost or, or unsure or uncertain, I know what you can do. Ask me to give you some wisdom, yeah. counsel and advice. I think we need to bring him to interrupt our plan so that his love can be felt intensely. Mm-hmm. We we are beyond, way, way, way beyond this performance-based faith thing. 
this set the meeting up great and let's be shiny. I yeah. think people want to experience the Lord and the emotion is so raw. I mean, I was thinking earlier in the news, through the media, every day now, we're posed with the potential to fear people in different countries, depending where we are. It could be the opposing army. It could be the terrorist. It could be whoever. And yet I sense if we could learn not to be frightened of the Lord, but to fear what he could do to us mm. if we didn't follow him. And I'm, again, I'm coming back to this. It's not behavior. Yeah, He is looking for affection and attention, just that we're available at least, that he can involve and interrupt and be included in our lives. And those are the words I would use for anyone seeking to develop a relationship. I would say to you too, Matt, if I may in this context, include your kids in as much as is right mm. to include them in. Involve them. Bring them in. Invite them in. Get them up close. Be with them and see what happens because that absence, that distance, that isolation is a killer. Mm. They don't need you to be perfect. They do need you to be interested. Yeah. And and let them hear the good, bad and the ugly bits of you and see what God will do with that for you as a dad. Do yeah. amazing things. That's encouraging. Thank you. I wanted to to hit on again with the whole including him and not setting an appointment. And there are some people, like you said, where the setting the appointment with God works or setting an appointment to read their Bible works, but it can't be just appointment based and nothing else. It, it just like, it can't be, I worship God for my 15 minutes on Sunday. And then I go home and I don't think about him. And one of the things that I've encouraged the youth in doing whenever they ask, I want to get into a deeper relationship with God. What do I do? Literally wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Acknowledge that he's there from the beginning until you go to sleep. And what's funny is a lot of the times when we try to schedule time with God, we put it in our phone, we do whatever we can on the calendar. Well, now Satan knows, ah, Matt has scheduled time with God at 1 p.m. today. Let's give him a, a flat tire. Let's do whatever we can to keep him from having that time. But when you don't set that time and you're just talking to God throughout the day, like, Satan has no power to do anything. And that's always been my encouragement to them is it may seem really foolish at first. Like whenever I'm working on a video or whatever I'm doing, if I forget about something I was doing, I'll just ask God, I'll say, oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what was I doing? What was I, what was I about to do? And then he answers. It's, it seems so foolish. I'm sure I look like a nutcase to some people, especially just out on the street. Uh, but it is including him. Whenever you uh, give him permission to interrupt what you're doing, that's a, that's a wild and scary thing to pray because when you give the Lord permission to interrupt, interrupt things, he does. I remember one, one moment I was 
Anytime I walk to the gym in the morning, I'll pray in tongues, talk to God. And then one morning I gave him permission. I was like, Lord, whatever you want to do on this walk to the gym, I, I give you permission to like, let's just do what you want to do. And I was walking back home and there was this older woman walking toward me with a, with a cigarette. And then the Holy Spirit said, tell her to stop smoking. And I was like, oh, oh, this could be bad. But then I just looked over at her as we were walking toward each other. And I was like, you should quit smoking. And then she takes the cigarette out of her mouth and goes, you're right. And then throws the cigarette on the ground and then just keeps walking past me. But it was just this small interaction, which I think was actually more for me then I mean, it could have, it could have changed her life. I don't know. But I think that was more for me of like, when you obey me and you do what I tell you after you've given me permission to interrupt your walk, watch, watch what happens. This wasn't a, Oh, you're a weirdo. It was, Oh, you're right. It was an incredible moment. And I just, I encourage all of you, the most powerful and scariest thing that you can pray right now is Lord interrupt my day. I give you permission. That's powerful. Uh, as we close out, would you mind praying over anyone listening who feels like they connect with God as a contemplative or feels like, I just want to adore God. I want to sit in his presence and love him, but I need help getting there. I need him to tell me. I need someone to come alongside me and help. Would you mind just praying over those people and that the Lord would speak to them and move in their hearts? Yes, I will. Just read in Genesis 3, verse 8. Would you believe the first time the word presence regarding God is mentioned is when Adam and Eve are trying to hide, mm -hmm. which I find strange because the Lord is... And he just wants to be with us, doesn't he? Yeah. So let me pray. Father, I pray for anybody listening to this right now who's deeply longing to build a relationship with you, to be close with you, to just sense constantly, continually that you're with them and you've not left them. You're never needing to be called upon to appear because you're already there dwelling up close, settled down. That relationship is established, Lord, if they've received you through Jesus' name and by the power of Jesus' blood. Lord, I pray that you would grow a sense of awareness, a sense of thankfulness, a sense of encouragement, deep comfort to know that you never do leave us. You never fade away or retreat or have to hide because or want to walk at the other side of the street because you are with us, Lord. And I pray mm. for anyone who struggles with this concept. You're nearer to us than the air that we breathe. And I pray, Father, that as this mindset and this understanding is developed and they start to even dare to believe it. Cause them just to thank you for that. Cause them to 
include you, Lord, with the challenges and the questions, the things that need dealing with today. Father, I pray it won't be a silent relationship. It will be a conversational journey. Yeah. I pray, Father, it won't be a crisis managing situation, but it would be just a sharing of day-to-day ordinary things that you love to be included in. Father, I just pray that there'll be verses that emphasize this, that will encourage again when discouragement arrives or negative thoughts want to crowd in or the enemy starts to accuse. We just cut that off in Jesus' name, all this accusation. Yeah. We don't have to earn your presence. We don't have to behave in a specific, clever or good or well-behaved manner to get you near. You're already near. And nothing we can do can put you off. You simply see us through the blood of your son. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you and wonder what is all of this about, that they would realize and acknowledge and state I need to come through Jesus' blood, and I pray that they would even make that decision today. Thank you, Jesus, you died for us so that I could be part of your family. I receive Jesus right now as my Savior, and I know that you hear me when I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you'll bless those developing this relationship, that they would grow in accuracy, as they hear your voice. It won't be just a notion or a kind of wild and vague thought, but there'd be specifics and you would help them to grow in accuracy. Hearing your loving comments, your gracious instruction, your specific and even life-saving advice, let them grow in it, I ask in Jesus' name. I do love you, Lord. I do love you and I appreciate you so much. Help us all to grow up more and more and more in this relationship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Sue, thank you so much. I know that this is, is going to bless a lot of people out there. Um, yeah, thank you for, for being on the podcast with us today. All right, we will see you all next time. Thank you, man.